Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Reckless. There was nothing like waking up on a weekday December morning, looking out your window and seeing a lot of snow, running down and finding out that school had been canceled. Suddenly the day was filled with possibilities and all of them involved playing in that beautiful snow out there. My friends and I like to do all the traditional snow-related activities, snowball fights, sledding, building snow forts, and of course, trying to build a snowman. For a lot of people, it's a rite of passage. In fact, when you see people encountering snow for the first time, the first thing they often do is pick up a snowball and throw it at somebody. The second thing they do is build little snowmen. And I've seen snowmen made from all sorts of snow, from very dirty snow that has been piled into some sort of snow creature to just tiny amounts of snow. People have this instinct to want to build a snow creation. My friends and I, when we did build snowmen, it started out like any normal group of kids. We're gonna make a snowman, and then an hour later we'd be done, and we were happy. But as time went on, there was almost an arms race when it came to snowman building. We wanted to make one bigger than the last one, but as we got older, we couldn't keep up with our own ambition. So here is exactly what would happen. We would go to this vacant lot down the street from where we lived. They had this big open field and we would say, let's build a snowman. And we would say, well, let's make a real big one. And we'd shape a nice size ball of snow and then we would start rolling it and it would start getting bigger and then bigger. And then we would stop and look at it and go, okay, that looks pretty good. And then someone would say, no, we should try to make it even bigger. And so we would roll it some more and then some more. And before you know it, there's three or four of us trying to push this giant ball of snow to the point where we could anymore. And then we would sit there and shape it as round as we could and be pretty satisfied. Then we would try to make the second ball of snow and we'd start rolling it and rolling it. It would get really big, not as big as the first one. We were smart on that front. We'd get it near the big ball of snow. Then we would try to get it on top of the larger snowball that we made and it was impossible. We would struggle, we would lift, and of course we would drop it because it was so big. Eventually we would give up and throughout that snow cycle or even beyond when it was cold enough, that giant ball of snow would stay there. Occasionally, we would try it again, build a second ball and try to get it on top of it and fail. But what always happened is by the end of the snowing season, there would be this section of the field that had this giant pile of snow from our failed attempts to make this giant snowman. We would try to do this up until we became less interested in making snowmen. And I'm not sure why we never learned. My big regret is that we never finished one of these snowman giants. Maybe if we had gotten together as adults, we finally could have pulled it off. I think back on those moments of freezing cold weather, trying to do something super ambitious, the frustration and laughter around our failure, and then just waking up the next day and hopefully trying to do it all again. Making a snowman is magical, and therefore snowmen themselves are magical. So on today's show, I'd like to talk to you about the most magical of snowmen, Frosty the Snowman. We're going to talk about Frosty from the beginning, starting with the song. Then we'll go into the Rankin Bass special. We'll talk a little bit about the UPA cartoon, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. 
We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. into my favorite representation of Frosty the Snowman, which is the Rankin-Bass original cartoon. But if we're going to talk about Frosty the Snowman, we need to talk about the song. Frosty the Snowman was a jolly happy soul With a corncob pipe and a button nose And his eyes made out of coal Frosty the Snowman is a Christmas song. It was written by Steve Nelson and Walter Jack Rollins. It was originally recorded in 1950 by Gene Autry and the Cass County Boys. Later that year, it would be re-recorded by Jimmy Durante, and both are pretty popular versions of the song. Why did we get a Frosty the Snowman done by Gene Autry? Well, the year before, Autry had recorded another famous Christmas song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And Nelson and Rollins, realizing that was a hit, decided to go to Autry with this new song that they had written, Frosty, thinking it would be a hit like Rudolph. And boy, were they right. Eventually, the song would become so popular that it would move from song to screen. Now, before we move on to that, let's talk about the people who made it. Gene Autry, otherwise known as the Singing Cowboy, was born Orvin Grover Autry. He was born in 1907 and passed away in 1998. He was an actor, musician, rodeo performer, but his big claim to fame was as a singing cowboy. He would sing on radio, television, and film starting in the 1930s. Later on in life, he was a founding member of the baseball team, the California Angels. Gene Autry was a big deal, very popular for many years. He's so popular even as a town named after him in Oklahoma. That's pretty impressive. Fun fact I learned while looking him up, he has two famous cousins. The Quaid brothers, Randy and Dennis Quaid, are cousins of his. Distant cousins, but cousins. Now, he would sing the song, as would Jimmy Durante, who we'll talk a little bit about later, but it was written by Rollins and Nelson. Steve Nelson was born in 1907, passed away in 81. He was born in New York and worked on Tin Pan Alley and wrote a lot of music there starting in 1929. He would go on to write music for people like Guy Lombardo, Eddie Arnold, and of course, Gene Autry. He is best known for pairing up with Walter Rollins to write Frosty the Snowman. Although Nelson and Rollins would also write the music that was used in the safety campaign for Smokey the Bear. Walter Rollins was born in 1906, passed away in 1973. Born in Scottsdale, Pennsylvania, he was raised in West Virginia. And he would write music for things like Here Comes Peter Cottontail and Frosty the Snowman with Steve Nelson. With Rollins writing the lyrics and Nelson writing the music. The plot of the song is pretty simple. A group of children find a hat, put it on Frosty's head. He comes to life, plays around with the kids. The sun comes out. They're sad that maybe he's going to leave them. But he says, don't worry, I'll be back again. And that way you could play it every year when the snow comes around. Now, despite the fact that it is a Christmas song, the song itself in its original form doesn't mention Christmas in it. 
Two places have claimed to be the birthplace of Frosty the Snowman, White Plains, New York, and Armonk, New York. So I imagine if you are from White Plains or Armonk, you will fight over where Frosty is really from. After Gene Autry's version, the song was obviously going to be a hit and would be covered by many people over the years, including, as I mentioned, Jimmy Durante, but also Guy Lombardo, Nat King Cole, the Ronettes, and the Jackson 5, amongst many others. It didn't take long for other media to try to adapt Frosty the Snowman. That very year, 1950, Little Golden Books put out their version of Frosty the Snowman. It was adapted by Annie North Bedford, and art was provided by Corin Malvern. Also that year, UPA Studio released an animated Frosty the Snowman. It's a three-minute animated short. You might have seen it. It is on television most every year, I guess in certain markets. It's all black and white. It was originally broadcast on television in 1955 and has pretty much been broadcast every year since. If you have never seen it before, you can look it up on YouTube. Just look up UPA, Frosty the Snowman. UPA has some other great Christmas cartoons, so you might want to check those out while you're there. If you don't know much about UPA, UPA stands for United Productions of America. It was an animation studio and distribution company. It was founded in 1941 as the Industrial Film and Poster Service. If you thought the animation is good, it was because it was founded by former Walt Disney Productions people. And they started making industrial and World War II training films almost out of the gate. There was a lot of work in that during World War II. Eventually, they would start making theatrical shorts. Probably their two most famous characters would be Joe. McBoingBoing and Mr. Magoo. I loved Mr. Magoo. UPA did a lot of great work, but there's been so many other great animation studios like Disney, Warner Brothers, MGM, that people often overlook it. But if you want a real treat and you haven't been a UPA fan in your life, why not head over to YouTube and watch some UPA cartoons? I think you'll find an appreciation for them. Their looks and style are all their own. Are you a fan of the Retros podcast? Do you like more retro stuff? Why not check out the Retroist Patreon? Go to patreon.com slash retroist. Supporters of the show get bonus episodes, bonus tracks, bonus scans, access to the Retroist Discord, and more. Feel good about yourself and make a difference in the world. Support the Retroist. Now, everybody loves the song. It's really good. But for a lot of us who grew up with television, Frosty the Snowman really started when we saw the Rankin-Bass cartoon, which is based on the song. So if you've heard the song, you kind of know the plot of the special, although they add a lot of characters and build on the mythology a little bit. We wouldn't have this special without the company Rankin-Bass. Rankin-Bass was a production company based out of New York City, and it is best known for its Christmas specials, the best of them, often done as stop-motion animation that have a very unique visual style. They actually would outsource a lot of their work to various Japanese animation companies, and they were one of the first Western companies to outsource their animation and film productions to studios in foreign countries to save money. This would eventually become a very popular trend and would give birth to a lot of the animation that many of us now still enjoy today. While a lot of us might have seen this on television, many of you might have seen this for the first time via VHS or even online or other home media. I have the family home entertainment box of Frosty the Snowman here from the late 80s. It's a nice looking box, typical of family home entertainment. It has a very brief blurb on the back. Let me read from it. This is part of their Christmas Classics series distributed by the MCA Distributing Corporation. Frosty the Snowman. This adorable animated special, narrated by Jimmy Durante, has already become an American classic. 
When Frosty the Snowman is accidentally brought to life, he must weather a storm of adventures and the dastardly plans of an evil magician before he can find safety and happiness at the North Pole. Approximate running time, 30 minutes. Program content, copyright Video Craft International. All rights reserved. And this video, as I mentioned, came out in 1989. Oh, this has the Broadway video logo on the bottom. I forgot about that. I love that little logo with the little lightning bolt. So a great little video. This was very popular when I worked at the video store. We would sell dozens of Frosty the Snowman when I worked at Suncoast, and we would rent it nonstop during the holiday season when I worked at a video rental store. That doesn't really go into the plot of the special, which is different. Where does the magic hat come from? All of that sort of thing. So the story revolves around Frosty coming to life and the kids who help bring him to life. But they add a new character, Professor Hinkle, who's a magician, who is trying to perform tricks during a Christmas party. They don't go very well. And he gets so angry, he throws his top hat away. The kids who made fun of him run outside after school and start building a snowman. And they find the hat. It is found by one of the kids, Karen, who puts it on Frosty's head and he comes to life. Hinkle sees that the hat is magic and if the hat is magic, he could make a fortune. He snatches the hat, even though he knew it gave Frosty life. He doesn't care. He just wants to make money. Now, Hinkle has a rabbit named Hocus, as in Hocus Pocus, who's on the kid's side, and he steals the hat from Hinkle, brings it back to the kid, and they bring Frosty to life. And then it's the whole Frosty story. Let's have fun. Let's march around town. But it's starting to get warm. So what are they going to do? They need to get Frosty to somewhere it never gets warm enough for him to melt the North Pole, which is great because it's also where Santa would be. They have no money, but they put him on a freight train that's filled with ice cream and Christmas cakes that's going north. Professor Hinkle sees this and he follows them. Karen, who's joined Frosty on the journey, is getting cold because she's not a snowman. When they stop to let people off, Frosty realizes that Karen isn't going to make it if she doesn't get somewhere warm. Hinkle gets involved trying to get that hat back. And Frosty, who's been trying to get to Santa Claus, realizing he could help Karen stay warm, has no choice but to go into a greenhouse to keep Karen warm, even though it'll start melting him. But he thinks, maybe I can get outside, leave her in there, but Hinkle locks him in. When Santa finally does arrive, thanks to Hocus, they get to the greenhouse and Frosty has melted. It is very sad, heartbreaking. But Frosty is made of not just regular snow, but magical Christmas snow. And when they open the door, the wind blows in and the magic snow remakes Frosty. And Hinkle arrives though and says, that's my hat. But it is his hat. And he kind of has a right to get it back. But Santa steps in and says, if you take this away from him, you'll never get another Christmas gift again. And Hinkle is terrified by that. They put the hat on Frosty and everybody has a happy ending. As the credits roll, Frosty is leading a parade through town. Everyone's involved, including Professor Hinkle, who has a new hat. It's a magic time. And at the very end, Frosty gets on a sleigh with Santa and flies to the North Pole. And instead of saying, I'll be back again one day, he says, I'll be back on Christmas Day. Now the story and the song have fully made the transition to a Christmas song, and we have a lot of people to thank for that. First and foremost would be the writer of this special, Romeo Earl Muller. Muller was born in 1928, and he passed away in 1992. He is a screenwriter, an actor. He is best remembered for his work with the Rankin-Bass people, and he wrote many of the most memorable Christmas specials from Rankin-Bass, including Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and The Little Drummer Boy. He got his start writing 
comedy, working for Jack Benny. Eventually, he would be picked up as a professional writer for Philco Theater, which was very popular at the time, before meeting Arthur Rankin and Jules Bass in 1963. And they formed a relationship that would go on for many, many years. He also did voice work, probably most famously as the voice of the narrator in the first three Strawberry Shortcake specials from the 1980s, which he also wrote and would co-produce. Now, I mentioned Muller had met with two people, Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass, who are the namesake of Rankin Bass. Arthur Gardner Rankin Jr. was born in 1924. He passed away in 2014. Producer, director, screenwriter, best known for working on animation on his Rankin Bass productions with Jules Bass, where they would create some of the most memorable holiday specials that ever aired on television. But he also worked on things like 1977's The Hobbit and has credits on over a thousand other television programs. He got his start as an art director on ABC, the American Broadcasting Company, in the 40s. And in 1955, Bass and Rankin formed the Videocraft International to produce television commercials. It wasn't until the 60s that they moved into animation and changed the company's name to Rankin Bass. They would work very closely together over the years and are synonymous with one another. Jules Bass was born Julius Caesar Bass in 1935. He passed away in 2022. He was a producer and director, but also did music. He would often collaborate with the music talent on these specials, and I don't think we could enjoy them or appreciate the music without Bass's input, although a lot of other talented people would contribute to their success. The Peanuts Gang searches for the true meaning of Christmas. I think it needs me. It's the holiday classic, A Charlie Brown Christmas. Then there's a chill in the air. But temperatures are rising. I get all wishy-washy. Get ready for winter magic. To the North Pole, please. It's Frosty the Snowman, right after Charlie Brown, Friday starting at 8. The special has a very fun cast. We'll start off with the narrator, and that was Jimmy Durante. Jimmy Francis Durante was born in 1893, passed away in 1980. He's a singer, comedian, actor, had this very gravelly voice and a decidedly New York accent. Very popular, starting in the 20s all the way up into the 70s. That's an amazing bit of longevity. And he kept transitioning, taking other types of work. And I think narration and voiceover work was a really good way to end his career, to keep that voice going so that we can keep hearing his voice maybe after there wasn't a lot of TV or movie roles for him. Jackie Vernon played Frosty, born in 1924. He passed away in 87. He's probably best known to people nowadays as the voice of Frosty the Snowman. But his career started many years earlier. He was actually quite an adult comedian, put that in quotes. But despite that, he had a really interesting voice and a very fun delivery. You can look up some of his work online. That's just perfect for Frosty the Snowman, and he would reprise the role in two other specials. I read this funny story about Vernon. He started doing stand up in the 50s and his hero growing up was Charlie Chaplin and so he started writing him letters but he never got a reply but he kept writing up until he'd started doing his first TV appearances but eventually he stopped writing then he was in Vegas doing a show the management told him that Charlie Chaplin would be in the audience that night and he said can I meet him the management said well no Chaplin's doing his own thing he needs his space but Vernon decided he would go around that he went to the table where Chaplin was eating and started to introduce himself. And according to the story, Chaplin interrupts him and says, of course, Jackie Vernon, tell me, why did you stop writing? 
I don't know if that's a true story, but it's a great one, embellished by Vernon over the years, but pretty clever. Billy DeWolf played Professor Hinkle. DeWolf was born William Andrew Jones in 1907, and he passed away in 1974. Started working in the mid-40s and worked right up until his death. Great character actor, had a pencil mustache, often played over-the-top characters in a pompous way. Had a really great delivery. Online, he is described as playing fussy, petty men, which is a great description of his character in the Frosty the Snowman special, so good casting. But he's a scene chewer. You put him in something and he just takes over. He would appear regularly on film, the stage, and television. Probably his big work from that time was on the Doris Day show. But most people of the more modern generations are going to know him for his work as the voice of Professor Hinkle. June Foray did multiple voices, included Karen, the teacher, and a bunch of other children's voices. Born in 1917, Foray passed away in 2017. Prolific voice actor, probably best known as the voice of Rocky the Flying Squirrel, Natasha from Bullwinkle, Lucifer from Cinderella, Cindy Lou Who from The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, Jokey Smurf, and many, many others. Not only did she do television work, but also worked in radio when you got a voice like that. Also contributed to records, pairing up with people like Stan Freeberg, a award-winning, just really talented. Chuck Jones is quoted as saying, June Foray is not the female Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc was the male June Foray. Frosty the Snowman is actually listed in the Lost Media Wiki, and it has to do with June Foray. She originally recorded the part of Karen, but that would eventually get replaced by Suzanne Davidson, another actor, a year after Frosty would air. Davidson never received credit until 2018, and they did a deluxe edition. Foray talks about this experience and the replacement and not being sure why. In the book The Enchanted World of Rankin-Bass, she said, I was called in to voice the little girl Karen. I was disappointed to learn later that my work for the Karen character was replaced by another actress. To this day, I'm unsure of the reason, but I still enjoy the special. Modern versions of it are still Davidson, although Foray still gets credit. You can hear moments of Foray's voices in other places, and there have been restoration projects online. So if you want to look this up on Lost Media Wiki or just search YouTube for a restored version, it's very interesting to hear the difference. Paul Fries was the traffic cop, Hocus Pocus, Santa Claus, and the Ticket Man. Solomon Hirsch Fries was born in 1920, passed away in 86, worked a lot in his life. Another one of these, as they say, man of a thousand voices, compared often to Mel Blanc, just like June Foray. Malfries provided the voices for so many things. For many, he will always be remembered for his work with Disney, and he is the voice heard in the Haunted Mansion as your ghost host. Rounding out the cast, as I mentioned, you had Susan Davidson, who would voice Karen, and Greg Thomas would be brought in to voice some of the children. Happy birthday! Frosty the Snowman was a jolly happy soul. It's hard to have a special based on a song without bringing in some talented people to work on the music. And Rankin-Bass had a really good person with Maury Laws. Laws was born in 1923, passed away in 2019. He's a television and film composer. Started out working in jazz and dance and country bands as a guitarist and singer in North Carolina. Then joined the Army during World War II. In 64, he started working for Videocraft, which became Rankin-Bass, and would stay with them for about 20 years. 
characters working on Frosty the Snowman, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, The Hobbit, Jack Frost, the list goes on and on. He's probably best known for his adaptation of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which was originally written by Johnny Marks. The soundtrack would eventually get released by Rhino in 2002. In it, they have the full dialogue, so these are really sort of CD interpretations of the specials, although you can find the actual soundtrack songs for Frosty the Snowman, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, but these are more listen to the special offerings. The special first aired on December 7th, 1969 on CBS, and it was shown immediately after the fifth showing of a Charlie Brown Christmas special, and they both did really well. And both of them would air almost annually, I believe, for decades after that. In fact, it was so successful that first week that it beat a Charlie Brown Christmas. It was the number one television program for the period, as ranked by Nielsen Media Research. And not only did the people watching it at home contribute to its success, but people reviewing it really liked it and still continue to like it to this day. It has decent numbers on aggregation sites and it just has a special place in people's hearts. But what else was on that night when it first premiered? I actually printed out my local station's TV sections so that I could look this up. Interestingly, when they put out the guide that came out, they didn't include Frosty the Snowman in it. It wasn't in its original lineup. In the paper itself that came with the guide, they have a section called TV Changes where they would tell you something that was wrong in the guide. And I guess you could go in and kind of cross it out or at least try to remember. And Frosty the Snowman was in that list of TV changes. So they had printed that guide before they realized that Frosty the Snowman was about to become a big hit or that it was even going to be broadcast. But if we were to look at the guide itself, this is one of those TV guides back then that didn't have a grid. The grid really changed everything. It makes it so much easier to read what's going to be on. This is all done in column format. And this is for my area where I grew up. And I guess we could start at 7, which is when a Charlie Brown Christmas special aired on CBS. On Channel 4, which is NBC, they were showing Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, which is about the year of the otter. Channel 5, which would eventually become Fox, is showing the Sam. Me Davis Jr. in Europe special on ABC, which is Channel 7, they were showing Land of the Giants. Channel 9, which is WOR, they're showing a movie called Valley of Mystery with Peter Graves. And on another local station, Channel 11, they're showing 12 O'Clock High, the fighter pilot. Then at 7.30, it's supposed to be To Roam with Love with John Forsyth and Kay Medford. But we know that's not happening. It's Frosty the Snowman. On NBC, it's Disney. They're showing The Uncanny Adventures of Inky the Crow on the Wonderful World of Disney, which is called out as a thing you definitely need to watch. At 8 o'clock, after Frosty the Snowman, The Fifth Dimension is going to be on The Ed Sullivan Show, along with Imogene Coca and Sandler and Young. Channel 5 is now showing Bandito from 1956. On Channel 7, the Ford Motor Company is presenting The FBI. And that episode tonight is The Prey. What other things are going to be on later that night? Bonanza at 9. Just a lot of movies on most other channels. At 10 o'clock, Mission Impossible is on CBS. So that's a good night of television on CBS overall. You got the Christmas specials from 7 to 8. Then you got Ed Sullivan. Then at 9, you have Leslie Uggams. And then at 10, Mission Impossible. There is a computerized matching ad. Meet your ideal mate, all ages. Let team make you a team. So you could write to this address in New York City. And it's, I guess, supposed to be computerized dating services. Yeah, going on up until after midnight, it's mostly just movies and news. But just taking a quick look at what other ads are running here, because I love to do that. How would you like to go skiing in the Poconos at Tanglewood Lakes? 
It's the only year-round vacation homes on Lake Wallenpalpak. So this is an ad trying to get you to buy lakefront and lakeview homes on Lake Wallenpalpak. Tanglewood Lakes. It's a great image of someone skiing on this very small hill. Place renting Santa Claus costumes. An ad for the New York Business School. Be one of the new people. It almost looks like a comic book ad. There's a whole story on the band The Who. A lot of movies playing, including a boy named Charlie Brown is playing at Radio City Music Hall. I would love to have seen that. That's probably the biggest ad, and these ads are so tiny back then. Again, the way they organize movies and television back then was confusing. This is a listing for multiple towns, and they often don't list them by town, but instead are still using the name of the theater. So you have to know the name of the theater you're looking for, which for the most part I still remember. What's really cool is that they still have the drive-in theater that my family went to, and they are showing Hell's Angels and Spirits of the Dead. I often don't get to see those. Those listings. Here's an ad for the Barbizon Modeling School. They used to run television ads constantly when I was growing up. Would you like to be a model or just look like one? Barbizon can show you how. And finally, another meat ad. Now that I'm looking for them, I'm seeing them constantly. Now this is years earlier. This is 1969. It's from Custom Cut Meats Incorporated in Rochelle Park, Maplewood, and Perth Amboy, New Jersey, where you could order a small freezer order for $24.50. That's 50 pounds of meat, but they have all sorts of cuts. That includes 20 pounds of fryers, 10 pounds of bacon, 10 pounds of pork chops, and 10 pounds of turkey. I just didn't know that there were all these meat stores still later in the 80s. But here they are in the 60s, and the ad looks so similar in some ways. Although the cow in this has a real attitude. He's looking at me, very angry, probably because I'm buying meat. There's a whole diagram of all the pieces of him I'd be getting. Oh, he's so angry. I'll have to share that. So Frosty was popular enough that they would create several sequels and specials, including the sequel Frosty's Winter Wonderland in 1976. The narration in this one is provided by Andy Griffith because Jimmy Durante had suffered a stroke and was unable to work anymore. But Jackie Vernon would come back as Frosty. In 1979, they made a stop-motion version, which I love, combining Rudolph and Frosty in Rudolph's and Frosty's Christmas in July. It has a very different look, but the way they captured Frosty in it is just amazing. I love the look of Frosty in stop motion. In 1992, they made Frosty Returns. It was not made by Rankin-Bass, but CBS. It's a very different version of the story and was produced by someone really good, though, Bill Melendez, who worked on the Peanuts specials. It's okay. Not my favorite, but I think it's worth checking out. In 2005, they released The Legend of Frosty the Snowman. It has a bunch of new characters, although the look resembles the Rankin-Bass version of it, and Professor Hinkle does appear, although in flashback. It's not an instant classic, which is why I probably only watched it once, but if you're a completist, it's good, and I like the narrator. is voiced by Burt Reynolds, which is fun. Now, during Sears Portrait Studios Holiday Sale, make your portraits magical with our exclusive background featuring Frosty the Snowman was a jolly He'll warm up your holiday portraits and you'll save a cool 50%. Only $5.95 a sheet. Bring home the magic on our Frosty the Snowman background only at Sears Portrait Studios Holiday Sale. Hurry in. 
Now, as I mentioned, while a lot of people watch this on TV, a lot of other people watch this for the first time on home video and Family Home Entertainment released Frosty as part of their Christmas Classics, which is the version that I read from. And they released that in 1989 and then would re-release it in 1993. And they would do a lot of other reprints. They would also release it on Laserdisc paired with the Little Drummer Boy. And they did box sets. If you worked at a video store that sold videos, they would box this with Rudolph and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Eventually, it would find its way to DVD and then to Blu-ray and finally to 4K Ultra HD. There's just no end to the releases they could do for this, and it still is available in all of these formats. And whatever format you choose, it is well worth it. Frosty the Snowman is a timeless classic. I think anyone who grew up around snow or building snowman had fantasies about the things they built being more permanent. And Frosty the Snowman takes that and puts a magic spin on it. Not only will your snowy creations last forever, but they're alive. They're a playmate, someone who will be there for you. And every time it snows, they will be there for you. And for kids, that's magical. And I hope that as an adult, most people can still appreciate just how magical that is. So next time it starts snowing, why don't you run out there and roll up a snowman? Just building one is really fun, especially if you do it with another person. Just remember, mind the size of your snowman. If you start big, you're never going to finish that thing. But if you build it just right, and if you look around and you find a fussy magician who just lost his hat, you might just make yourself a brand new friend. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at retros.com. You can also follow me on social media. I'm at most of the major social platforms at Retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you like what you hear, you should follow Peachy on Twitter and Twitch. He's at PeachyPixel8. That's the word Peachy, the word Pixel, and the number 8. Thanks to everyone who's been supporting the show. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by simply giving the show a five-star review wherever you download it. It's really the five-star reviews at this point that help people find the show. So if you could do that, I really would appreciate it. If you'd like to support the show further, The Retroist is on Patreon at patreon.com retroist. Supporters of the show get bonus episodes, bonus tracks, bonus scans, and access to the Retroist Discord, the coolest and most festive retro holiday community on the internet. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend and a Merry Christmas. Happy birthday! This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.